All right. I want to welcome everybody to episode 76, Robin Hood and God, an interview with Michael Ruiz. And I want to uh, thank Michael for coming on today. Uh, you know, I would love to have interviews all the time, but I like to mix it up. And I think Michael's going to be a very good mix up on that today. We've spent some time talking beforehand, but Michael, nobody really knows who you are. Why don't you tell everybody who you are, what you do, you know, what your, your family background, your business background, your, your uh, spiritual background. Oh, geez, that's, that's, that's a loaded question, but that's a lot. Uh, I don't think you have enough time for that, no, but in, in, I'll try to be as a nutshell. First of all, thank you for, for having me and even considering me. This is, this is an honor for me Absolutely. Uh, to be able to, to talk about anything, talking about God and business in life for me is I'm very, very passionate about. I can have these kind of conversations all the time, not because I'm religious, because I'm not. I don't consider myself a, relation, uh, a, a religious person whatsoever, but I can talk about God and scripture mm -hmm. all, all the time. But to give you a little bit of background, I, I live in Miami, Florida. I've been born in, I was born in Miami, Florida. I was uh, raised between Puerto Rico, between the ages of four or five years old, all the way to about 12 years old, between Puerto Rico and Miami. So I'm fully bilingual in English and Spanish. And even Spanglish, for those of you Spanglish. that don't know what that is. It's, oh, yeah. I, yeah. I can have – here in Miami, uh, we have conversations both in English and Spanish. In the same sentence, we'll, we'll put in both words, English and Spanish, <laughs> and without skipping a beat. And people understand it. It's very yeah. common. Very, very common. So I've been my entire life living in Miami. I love the weather here. And uh, I think you told me you're 29 degrees where you're at now at this time. And yeah. over here is like 80-something. Um but I was, I was raised, uh, my, fam my family background is Cuban. My parents are Cuban immigrants from back in the 60s. And um, I'm in the real estate space, business-wise. I'm in the real estate space for over 35 years. Uh, I, since 1983, I got into real estate. 1984, I got into mortgages. And um, that's all I've been doing. My entire adult life, I've been involved in real estate. I started my career back when I was probably even younger than that. At 15, I used to do data processing for a for real estate uh, investor. And what he used to do is he, had, he would pay me 100 bucks a week to, to data mine and go and pull up information for properties that were about to go foreclosure. And, and then he, based on that information, he would go and he would buy and sell properties you know, at the auction. So, and, I, and, and I put that just so that you understand where it, where it led me to be who I am today uh, right. after 30 something years. But my background also is I am married. I have, uh, altogether, I have four kids. You know, I have, I was a single dad for the longest time, a single dad of two daughters and a son. I had custody of my daughters for the longest time. And then I met my beautiful wife who's, she's now my queen and she had her own daughter. Uh, so between us, we have, we're a blended family and we don't have any kids together, but they're all, we're all one. So right. we've been, I, I've raised all my kids going to church. It wasn't a question. They had to go and um, they were very involved whether they liked it or not, because that was my responsibility as a dad. You know, they had yep. to, uh, they had to go to church and it paid off big time because nowadays I can fast forward. My oldest is 27. My wife's oldest is 27. My youngest daughter is 25. And all three of those girls specifically, they're all leaders in their church right now. Even with their businesses, 
Um, and they all, they're all in their own businesses. They all live on their own and they all do their own thing. Um, but to me, it's an honor and it's an honor to, to the way I raised them in a godly manner where it was my job to make sure that I had to, it was my responsibility to make sure that they, they knew the Lord as best as I could. It was, I just had to plant those seeds and let God take over and make sure that he touched their lives where to this day, uh, they, they seek God on their own. They're God-fearing women. My son is just turned 21. He was plucked out of my life for, for some time because his, his mother moved to Sarasota. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so, but he's also a God-fearing man because when he was with me, he, he, uh, he had, it was no doubt, even the, the limited times that he was with me, he had to go to church with us. Yeah. So I, I can tell you, you know, God in my life has been, is, is the foundation of everything that I do. You know, sometimes uh, my favorite scripture, so you get an idea, is Matthew 6, 3, 3, which is seek first his kingdom and everything else shall be added unto you. So I'm a big time entrepreneur. I love business. And I've, I've been an entrepreneur since I'm 18 years old, since my entire adult life. I've never worked for anyone else as a job, quote unquote. But um, everything for me has been, okay, I want God to bless it. Uh, God is just okay. And the times that I've strayed, and that I've done things on impulse and I have not sought or seek. I don't know which is a proper word or not sought or <laughs> They seek. both sound good. Go for uh, it. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, w- whatever I didn't seek his wisdom and I did it on impulse because uh, I'm an impulse kind of a guy. Uh, and things didn't work out. Later on, I would look back and say, God, I, for- I didn't ask you if this was okay. Yeah. You know, so, so I, I've learned as I've matured, you know, I'm 54 years old now. And as in the probably, I think it's when I hit 40 is, is a, at a point in my time when I said, uh, that was, that was a, a, an age for me when I said, all right, God, up to these 40 years, or maybe let's say 20, 22 years of my adult life up to the age of 40, uh, I've tried it my way. I've made a lot of money. I've yeah. lost a lot of money. I've been very successful. And then I stall, toppled down where it, it, you know, I failed at at marriages for whatever reason. Uh, I had, again, I made a lot of money. I had a lot of assets and then uh, I blew it whether, and I'm not going to blame the economy. It just maybe, you know, mismanaging, misspending, not budgeting, whatever the case may be. So at the age of 40, I remember vividly saying, all right, God, I've tried it my way and it doesn't work. (laughs) So, so. I, I'm still young, you know, uh, I, I want to do it your way and let's see how this works. It wasn't even a, let's see is like, let me just do it your way, father. So let me start seeking you more and, and asking you to bless things and guide me, uh, for all these things that I want to do in, in life. So that's the way it's been. It, it's funny because last night I had a, a, a daddy daughter date night with my daughter we went out my 20 that's awesome yeah and um oh yeah we do that all the time we mm-hmm. do that all the time and we went to the movies and uh and then we sat down here at the house and it was just her and i chit-chatting because my wife is out of town with my other daughter uh, uh in, in nashville visiting and um that's one of the things that i was telling my daughter that we were discussing and we have great conversations all of our kids and i was telling her was like listen you know I'm constantly asking. There's times that we're asking God. It's like, come on, Lord. And, and sometimes we don't hear him. We're, we're hoping to hear God say, yeah, do it. Sometimes we don't. You know, so it's like, yeah. 
at least me being an entrepreneur and being, you know, a, a go-getter and getting things done. And, and that's, that's why people call upon me because I like to solve problems. Uh, I'm a solution oriented guy. A lot of times I just ask people, you know, I'll, I'll ask God, like, Lord, I, you know, I have this idea. I want to pursue it. Is it okay? And then I'll stay quiet and I'll, and I'll dwell on it for even a few days. Yeah. But I've gotten to the point. It's like, okay, if I don't, if I, I sometimes we don't get that green light. And so I've learned to, and I told my daughter this yesterday. It's funny because I told her a lot of times I don't, if I don't see the green light, I'm not waiting for the green light. I'm just going to go. I, I, I dwell about it. I think about it. I pray about it. Then if I still don't get the answer, cause I, I just don't hear anything. Then to me, I just, I got a green light. I'm going to wait for the stoplight. And until God doesn't put some type of obstacle or something, a way to clearly make, tell me, no, this is not what I want you to do. I, I drive life pretty much where I have a green light and God is going to bless everything. And he's going to make it very, and, and it works. He's right. made it very clear to me when it doesn't work, when he, that's not what he wanted me to do. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's never failed. It's happened to me with business transactions. It just happened to me this year. You know, I had a big project going on with uh, my younger daughter a real estate project and it did not go as well as, it, as I anticipated it to be something that should have taken two, two and a half months, took nine, nine and a half months to, to fruition. And it just ate up all of our profit and stuff. Yeah. And then I think back and it's like, Hmm, God, did you not bless this? Cause I thought there was, there was a tremendous opportunity there, but the time ate up all of our profits and stuff and stuff that happened. And, um, so I wonder sometimes, okay, Lord, you know, he finally got us out of that. We didn't make what we expected. Heck, we barely broke even, except we lost a lot of time. And, um, but I always also look for that silver lining. Okay, so what did I lose? The one thing that I've learned, and I tell people this all the time, is whatever failures you have or that you may think you have, they're not failures. There's always a silver lining where there's always something that you can learn. So I always tell people, just don't lose the lesson. Mm -hmm. And what is that lesson? I don't know. It's different for everybody. If, uh, if we become mature enough to sit and, and ponder on it and seek God's wisdom and ask, what are you trying to tell me? He speaks to us. Not to mention, he speaks to me all the time. A lot of it is through scripture. You know? right. And I don't read scripture as often as I should. But when I do, it's always like, whoa, okay, speaking to me. So, so that's it. In, in a nutshell, um, I've been real estate for over 35 years. I've, I've specialized in, in foreclosures the last, since 2008. Mm -hmm. um, my passion is the reason they call me the Robin Hood of foreclosures is because when the market crashed and everything having to do with real estate and financing, it all toppled, uh, there was a new need. I had to reinvent myself after buying and selling houses for so many years. Yeah. I couldn't do anything because of the financing. Financing went out the window. Prices went out the window. So now the new need was everybody was losing their homes, including me. I had homes and I was losing my property. And uh, so I had to learn. It's like, whoa, what do I do? How do I stop this? I can't even make income uh, because that's all I did was real estate. And um, it, it, I had to find my way to, to A, help myself. And then I realized there was a need. There was a lot of families out there that, that were losing everything that they had. They had put all their monies in real estate and they were all dropping. So yep. they were all going to foreclosures. Yep. Here in Miami, here in Miami, we, we had literally, I kid you not, 
there was probably two to 300 auctions, foreclosure auctions daily, Monday, Tuesday, yeah. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. That was, that was, that was bad. That was 2008 through like 2010. And during those years, um, uh, I had to, I, I learned how to get in. I couldn't afford an attorney. Most people couldn't. So I had to get in there and learn the system enough to what is the procedures and, and what are attorneys doing because attorneys charge a lot of money, but I couldn't afford them. Yeah. I knew a lot of people couldn't afford them. So that's where it became known as a Robin Hood of real estate because I started learning how to get in the system, in the court system and, and rules and civil rules of procedures and stuff like that. And uh, I started helping customers, not as an attorney, because I always made it very clear as a, there was a disclaimer, I'm not an attorney. Um, yeah. I'm just t- telling you, I'm just talking to you from my personal experience, from my professional experience and from all the research that I've done. And this is how you can do it. And I had, I kid you not, I, to this day, since 2008, I still have two clients that are in foreclosure and still in their home and still in their home. It's been 10, 11 years. Wow. And, um, and, and, and they, they've learned how to fight it. The others, you know, eventually they, they decided, okay, it's time to move on. Yeah, and they did. Um, but my, my whole thing has been foreclosure is just not an option because there's yeah. just too many nightmares. Yeah, no, I so, you. so that's what I've done. I've been also very involved in my church. I am, uh, I led the men's group at my church in Miami, Miami Vineyard community church mm-hmm. for, for several years. Uh, and that was really fun. I, I did that for a season of about three years. Um, and I'm also, uh, I'm, I'm one of the board of members, one of board of directors at uh, my church. I have been now for quite a few years as well. And not many people know that I purposely don't say that. So I don't know, maybe because of your podcast, a lot of people will know now, but um, it's not something that I, that I tell people cause I'm not trying to uh, be something bigger than I'm not. I, I'm just honored to be You're part of serving. anything that has to do. Yeah. You just want to serve. Yes. serve. Yes. 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 Very well. So that's it in a nutshell. Awesome. So, you know, I want to back up for a second. <clears throat> My wife and I are also a mixed family. So, so I understand the dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We've been married 24 years. Uh, the oldest two were from my, my first marriage. The youngest or her, her one was from her prior marriage and our youngest two are ours. And so, but I adopted uh, Cody from her first marriage. I adopted him when he was four and we had been married a couple nice. of years already. So, but, yeah, there's a lot of dynamic, different dynamics to, to a blended family, but that's not what I wanted to, to mention. What I wanted to mention was, now this is a men's podcast, so I'm going to hammer guys a little bit here. For one, blended families. Uh, I will say this about blended families. Uh, the one thing that we did, now did we do everything right? No, man, we're parents. I mean, we, we screwed things up, you know. Uh, do we have great relationships with all of our kids right now? I'll be honest, no, we don't. But most of them we do. So a couple of things, though, that we found were huge contributing factors for us. This was for us. It was always, these are your brothers, because we had five boys. These are your brothers, not your stepbrothers. This is your mom, not your stepmom. I'm your dad, not your stepdad. Okay, because we approached it from from the avenue of these are offices within the house. I don't care what you do at the other house. Call that guy, dad, call that guy or that gal, mom. I don't care because when you're here, we know who's who don't, don't sweat it. This is mom. This is dad. Those are just the offices. 
And so we were really able, I think, at that point to to build a better family dynamic, especially with all of the all of the things that mixed families can deal with, especially from exes and ex-in-laws and just outside influence on a mixed family is tremendously larger than it is on a family when you just have your own kids. Yeah. But what I really wanted to get to was you made your kids go to church. Now. Oh yeah. Now, nowadays you see, well, you know, we really want Billy to, uh, to decide for himself. <laughs> uh, I'm going to call bull crap on that one because the fact is, Billy will know at the age of 18 what either you have told him to know or his friends have told him to know. And if you don't start establishing some things in there, and I don't mean you, Michael, but I mean men in general. <laughs> if men in yep. general don't start establishing things with their kids at a young age, then it's their friends that are going to make the decisions for them. And it's their friends who are going to influence their thinking at 18. Making them go to church is not going to kill them. They will not die. They might even find friends. They might even find things, avenues, you know. Forcing your kid to go along with things just because they should is one thing. All right. You got to teach them when they're in, when they're at church, you got to teach them. You got to allow them to be taught. You can't just, you know, hand them off to the Sunday school teacher, expect him to do everything or her to do everything. But it is, it is absolutely essential that you establish some ground rules with your kids. Making them go to church is one of those. All right. I mean, you know, Old Testament. Did you have a choice as a Jew? You did not have a choice as a Jew. Okay. You, you were Jew by blood. You were raised Jew. And unless you purposely left, you were expected to do certain things. You had to follow the feast. You had to follow the rules. You had to follow that. It is okay to make your kids go to church. Okay. And I applaud you for having that as one of your ground rules. That was always a ground rule for us is if you were living in the house, you went to church. So well done. I'm just glad to see somebody else do it. I, I, you know, I, I can elaborate a little bit on that if you want. Yeah, no, go for it. So, so speaking to the men, yep. men, man up, <laughs> man up, man up, because who, who's the man of the house? Who's the leader of the house? And that doesn't mean who's got the most testosterone. That does not mean who's got the more macho man attitude who, thumps on their chest and beats on it like a gorilla that's an idiot who does that yeah lead by being a leader lead by example uh, i have so many examples that i can give you but i can tell you throughout the years uh, i i took my role very seriously as to when it comes to the house the household the the, the husband the wife the father my house my rules right and since they were young they understood that it wasn't, there was no debate. It's, it's what I say. Now I was also very, very gentle. It w I wouldn't say things to my kids. Well, you're doing this because I say so. Right. No, I would actually have, and, and this is why to this day, I still have great conversations with my, my kids because we converse. So I, I, I trained them since they were young to talk to them. So I, I, I could tell you easily when my daughters, my two youngest daughters, before my son was even born, before I met my current wife, and I was a single dad. I, I can tell you that I would, you know, cover your ears, some of you, but I would actually spank my daughters. What? Listen, yeah. I, did not beat, I did not beat my daughters. No. They, they, they wore diapers. I would pat them and they would scream, not because it hurt them. <laughs> I would not. They would right. scream because just the thought of daddy, 
you know, who's our God at this young age is disciplining us. And that's biblical. You know, it's biblical. It tells you don't spare the rod. Now I don't get a stick and I don't beat my kids, but that I would discipline them to this day. Absolutely. If I had to, the reason that I did it though, and this is another conversation that I had with my, my daughter last night, I did this at the very young age so that when, as they grew up, they already knew the, they already set the expectation right. and I didn't have to. So for, for, for you guys, if you have kids and they're giving you trouble, every time that you, that I see a kid that's having a conniption fit and they're having a tantrum, mm-hmm. I never, ever, ever, ever do I blame the kids. Oh no. I blame the parent. I blame the parent because well, that's what you taught them to do. That's what you allowed them to do. So if you don't allow them to do, and if you do your job while you can, because you can control your kids on, uh, while they're under your roof. Mind you, I didn't say until they're 18. Right. While they're under your roof. Because I've had my kids living with me up to the tw- in their mid-20s. And while they were in their mid-20s, as they were an adult or not, didn't matter. My house, my rules. You don't like it, that's fine. But once you move out, you do whatever you want. Yeah. But my house, my rules. And that was ingrained in them since they were young. I didn't care if they turned 18 and they turned into an adult. But <laughs> I trained my kids since, yeah, because that's yeah. the way they say. It's like, I'm an adult. And I go, yeah, really? Well, where are you starting to pay rent and electricity and water and, and all this other stuff? So no, uh, either the kids manipulate you or you, manip- or you don't manipulate them, but you establish the ground rules that they have to be respectful. Yeah, And that's always been, my kids always know that my biggest pet peeve has always been respect. You, you can have it all. I want you to have it all yeah. as long as you're being respectful and you're being respected. Yep. So uh, I, I remember my kids before when they were, again, three, four, five years old, and I would go to anybody's house. Before we went into anybody's house, I remembered before that some people saying, oh, man, so-and-so's kids coming in here. And they're, uh, you know, the kids are touching and doing this. It's like I always thought. I don't want anybody ever talking to me about my kids that way because it's also a reflection on me. Right. So I would make sure that every time I would go to anybody's house, I would outside in the car and say, hey, you're not to touch this. You're not to touch that. You're not to do this or any of that stuff. You're always to ask permission. And, you, and if in doubt, you come and ask me. So right. anyways, that transpired throughout the years where I never had any problems with my kids when it comes to that. But long story short, who's the man of the house? Who's setting the ground rules? Because if you don't like what they're doing, that's on the man. In my opinion, that's on the man. And again, I think that's biblical. Yep. We have to set the ground rules. We have to set the, uh, the way it's supposed to be with our kids and, and, and even with our wives. And I don't mean that again in a macho way. No. Is we, have to, we have to be the leaders. We have to show by example. And we have to, like the word says, we have to love our, our, our wives uh, and put them in incredible high standards and treat them. I, I treat my wife like a queen. I, I try to cater to her by the same token. She tries to cater to me. Yeah. Um, but that all starts with me setting that example, you know, men probably listening to this like, well, yeah, my wife should be doing this. I'm like, no, for your wife. Well, if, if she's not doing it, is it because you set the example? Because I can tell you, I learned I've had, you know, I had failed marriage and I look back and the difference between then and now is like, okay, I, if I want my, be, treat somebody the way you want to be treated. Yep. It's that simple. If I want to be treated with respect, then treat them with respect, and then it, it reciprocates. It should. And if it doesn't, then you have a conversation about it. I have no problems having conversations. <laughs> you know, a lot of guys need to remember, too, that uh, only kings can treat women like queens. 
So there's an attitude yeah, there that has to like be that. had, has to be had mm-hmm. by men. You know, mm-hmm. if you're uh, if you're worthy of being the king in your household, then treating your wife like a queen is easy, and it mm-hmm. reciprocates. All right, let's change yeah. uh, change gears here a little bit. But no, you're absolutely on the money there. So, all right. So there's this big line for men. All right. There's scripture and there's business. And a lot of times they don't like to mesh the two. Now you've already talked about it a little bit, but why don't you expound just a little bit on, on uh, what your thoughts are on, on business as it pertains to scripture and how scripture pertains to business. Well, um, Listen, one one thing, and, and and I have I have a list of topics that I that I'd love to talk about. Whether I start a new podcast or, or 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 do certain YouTube's and stuff like that, yeah. but money is is an important one. And one thing that I know is that in Scripture, uh, in my case, I know for a fact that Jesus spoke about money more than any other topic, whatsoever. Jesus spoke about money more than about salvation, more more than heaven, more than anything else. He spoke about it, and why I believe is because. Um, he, he knows it's a big issue. You, 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 yeah. you know, let's be real. We, we need money to be able to survive. I mean, we need money mm-hmm. to be able to pay for our, that phone that we're listening to this right now or, right. or that monitor, or that TV or the electricity that, you know, whatever it money is, is a requirement. You know, there's a big mishap that people say, Oh, well, you know, the love of money is the root of all evil. No, it's not. It's not the love of, I mean, it's not money. It's the love of money. That right. is the root of all, of all evil. So, um, um, I, I've learned not to love the money. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I'm not in love with money. So, so the entrepreneurial spirit to me is so important because as, as a Christian man, if I want to contribute to society, uh, you know, the reason I tithe in my church is not because I'm trying to make my church richer. I know my church so well, and I know what they do with the money. Again, being on the board, I know, and even if I wasn't on the board, I see, in, at least in my church, what uh-huh. they do with their money. And they're constantly giving, giving, giving. And they're giving to those people that really need a right. lot. I can give you a lot of those examples. But how do they give? Well, they don't just, you know, it's not like they have money trees. No, it's no. for people that are God-fearing men <laughs> and women that, that trust and believe. And they give to their church because they know that they're giving that money to um to, to the right people, you know, to, they're, they're placing it where it's needed. Um, to me, again, I, I, I referenced it earlier, Matthew 6, 33, seek first his kingdom and everything else shall be added unto you. To me, I have a lot of desires, you know, uh, I, I, I want to have not a big home. I don't want to have a small home. You know, as you can see, I live, I live on a lake and I've been living on lakes for over 27 years between three different houses. Um, but, you know, that requires money. I don't live a lavish lifestyle, but I also don't live a poor lifestyle. So what does that require? That requires for me to, to have certain monies and have certain businesses that I can afford to do those things. So if you want to do that or if you want to be traveling or whatever, that requires money. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so to me, it doesn't start there. That to me is second, third. I tithe first. For me, I believe in tithing yep. for multiple reasons. But to me, tithing also has to do with this is how I trust and I believe in God. This is, to me, is such a test. Every time that I test, that I tithe, it is such a huge test for me. After all these years that I still tithe, it's just like, 
letting go of this big check of, I don't know, $1,500. Really? You give $1,500? $2, Listen, I've given, I've given a lot of money to what, and it's, and it's all, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's all relative to, to everybody. So for some people, a $1,500 check or a $3,000 check or $8,000 check is that not that big of a deal. For somebody right. who, who only makes $15,000 a year, it is. So tithing is just 10%. It doesn't mean that you're giving half of your paycheck or whatever. 10% is just 10%. So I've learned to live within that 90%. But I do that because I'm trusting God. I'm actually, I know that he's going to bless me. Not because of how much money I give. He's not. I know that God, as a, as a Christian man, because I'm trusting him, I have to trust him with my 90%. Now I got to be a good steward of what I use my 90% with. And that's yeah. where I failed in the past and many people have, yeah. but I still have to tie them. My way of, of, of trusting God and believing that is I give back. And not only that is because as much as we all want to make an impact in this world, I can't reach. So, so a quick synopsis is, you know, how many people don't want to go ahead and take a, uh, a missions trip? whether it's to Haiti or some other one of these countries. Yeah. And I can't do it. But the best way that I can contribute to that is help pay for that for somebody to go and do that. So when, when I help pay and I sponsor somebody in part or partial and they get there and they spread the word of God, I had a piece of that. Yeah. I had a piece of that. That that's part of my, my, um, my legacy. You know, mm -hmm. my biggest legacy for me so far has been, I was able to to uh, help my church purchase their current their current location, uh, and as a realtor, I love the fact that I made it all happen after they had three failed attempts. I I jumped in and I did it, and I love the fact it's an honor for me that we were able to make it. Now that's changing that church where I'm at now, that building which is sixty five thousand square feet, and, and that church and all the people in there, they're impacting and changing lives still to this day, whether I'm there or not. Right. And the fact that I was able to help and make that happen, and I made sure that I didn't make any real estate commission. I didn't care. I didn't do it for the money. Right. But in 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 retrospect, then God sees those things and He blesses us. And He doesn't just bless me financially. A lot of times, our blessings are in relationships. You know, I got a great wife. I got great kids. I I got some wisdom. I learned how to lead. I learned how to lead as a husband. I learned how to lead as a dad. I learned how to lead as an entrepreneur. Um, so those kind of things. So mm -hmm. to me, it, the foundation for all my business successes, relationship successes, it all starts with the foundation of my my beliefs with that relationship that I have with God. Right. Absolutely. Very well said. So with that then, um, you know, what I appreciate about what you just did was you didn't demonize business. I think, uh, I think entirely too much now. Heck no. No, I think entirely too much nine to five guys. And, and I can say this cause I've owned business and I'm a nine to five guy. Nine to five, uh, I think has a mentality that I can't start a business. I shouldn't start a business. I would like to start a business, but I can't just get there when in fact that's a lack of faith when it comes right down to it. And we as men just need to step out. Does that mean you're going to take some risk? Yeah. It means you're going to, I'm pretty sure the apostles took some risk to get things done. I'm pretty sure there was a few times when uh, the Holy Spirit had to uh, rein Paul in, you know, because he was like, go, go, go. And, and God was like, whoa, 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 hang on. So, <clears throat> you know, business is not this demonized thing. And, you know, and we were talking a little bit beforehand. I've told my kids when they were growing up, I told my kids, uh, 
who has the most secure job in a business? And they would always look at me. I don't know. I'd say the owner. He's got the best job security. Got the last guy to lose his job is the guy that owns the whole gig. So if you want job security, be the guy that owns the whole gig. So, <clears throat> so I think a lot of guys they they get in the they get stuck in this hamster wheel of, well, this is all God wants for me. No, if that's what you think, you need to get into scripture because because there were and and I'm sure you're also a, a fan of uh, Myron Golden, but. It oh my was, gosh. It was interesting. I interviewed him a few anybody who's watching this, if you want to see my interview with Myron, I forget which number it is, but it was it was quite a few back. Just take a look through the list. But, oh, I uh, love Myron. Yeah. And his thing has always been there are no employees in scripture. I hadn't really thought about it. So I took it to my church and I said, Hey, there's no employees in scripture. Because Myron was right. And somebody looks at me and says, No, the field workers were employees. And I said, No, the field workers were contractors independent contractors they either worked or didn't work that day based on them not based on now granted the guy the vineyard owner say could say i only need three of you there's five you two will have to go away but so he contracted three but yeah but those other guys were still independent not every contractor gets every job that's just how it works right so right the employee mentality needs to okay this is me the employee mentality needs to go away and the Christian male mentality needs to take over because when you think like an employee, you're not thinking fully, you're thinking limited. And whether you are a nine to five or a business owner, you need to think with a mindset that is, I can accomplish anything. I can do anything because that's what the Holy Spirit said I can do. If indeed I have the Holy Spirit. So, so rolling into that, uh, faith-based men these days. Now we're talking faith-based men in general. Um, what's your opinion of men these days as a business owner, as uh, you know, a faith-based male yourself? Men don't look the same today as they did. You know, what is your, what is your kind of your thoughts? Does that make sense? When you look at men today, what do you feel that they're lacking that you don't feel they were lacking 20 years ago? I'm going to tell you in a second, but I need you to pause. Yep. Can you pause? Yep. I got to get my battery back up before my, my uh, iPad dies. Okay, we're back. Technical difficulties. It happens. It's all good. So go ahead, Michael. So the question is, what do I see men, the difference between men 20 years ago to today? Yeah. In a, in, in, in a manner of spiritually you're talking about? Well, do you feel that they've stepped back considerably from where they were 20 years ago? I'm going to tell you, yes. Yeah, does that make Huge sense? Huge difference. Yeah. It, it totally makes sense, and only because I can relate because it happened to me. Right. And the difference is men need to have a backbone. Yeah. It's that simple. Men don't have a backbone, and they've relinquished their pants over to their wife. Uh -huh. um, and then everything is like, well, let me confirm with my wife. Listen, I'm the first one to tell you. I'm, I'm not going to tell you. I tell my wife what to do. I do not. I right. respect my wife too much. Yep. Do I consult my wife? Absolutely. Do we have disagreements on what we're going to do? Absolutely. But at the end of the day, she understands that a, I respect her enough to go to her and ask for her opinion. And a lot of times it's very helpful because she gives me insights of thinking things that I wasn't thinking. But at the end of the day, it's my responsibility scripturally 
to be the head of the household and to make the decisions. So, you know, and, and the scripture talks to us about, you know, uh, getting counsel and, and of course amongst men, but even in a household. So whenever I want to do something, I'll talk to my wife and I'll say, honey, I'm thinking about this or whatever, but she understands. And I already set the expectation way beforehand that, all right. And if we do disagree or not, we both understand that at the end of the day, I'm going to make the decision. You right. can't have two people making the decision. You know, for example, you have one president of the United States. Yes, he has Congress and all this stuff, but when there's an emergency, whatever the case may be, he has the power to make that. He's, he's the only one that has certain powers to do certain things. In your household, it should be the same exact way. So the difference between back then and me now, the reason that I failed in my marriage probably over 20, 20 plus years ago is because everything was like, Oh, honey. And she would say, no, this, this, that. And I go, okay. And my self-esteem was down. When that marriage, I can tell you where I got my backbone. And I, again, this, this is funny because I had part of this conversation last night again with my daughter <laughs> yesterday. Where I got my, my backbone and I manned up was when it wasn't about me anymore. When I was going through what I was going through and they were young, my two daughters, before my son was born. And they were going through their thing. Uh, we were going through where I was a single dad. And uh, um, well, before I was a single dad, when I was still with her mom and things happened. And I realized at that point she would, my, their mom would used to run over me and pretty much manipulate me whichever way. Yeah. I didn't have a backbone. I ain't going to lie. I didn't have a backbone. I didn't know any better. I didn't know any better. Nobody ever taught me, you know, because my dad was a macho guy and he was just, he was a womanizer. He was a, he, he was an alcoholic and he was a businessman and he, he used to be, beat my wife and every, my mom and everything. So to me, I, I grew up wanting to be nothing like my dad and those things. The only yeah. thing I grew up to be like him was the entrepreneurial thing. But where I got my backbone was when I saw that what was happening in my marriage, it started to affect my kids. And they were the most important thing to me at the, at the time because my, their mom at the point didn't, wasn't really paying attention to me. When I saw that they were, being dragged into it that's where i got my backbone because now my fatherly my fatherly instinct instincts kicked in where it's like whoa i gotta protect my kids right they cannot go through this and that's where i got my backbone and then yeah that that marriage ended um but then that's where i got close to god and when i was a single guy and a single dad for as long as i was i needed to get help and the place where i found help was diving into the church getting involved with the church, plugging myself into men's group, plugging my kids into the church, plugging myself into the service and just literally genuinely, sincerely listening to the message and then actually applying it and then applying it to my life and applying it to me as a, as a father and applying it to myself as a business uh, man, as an entrepreneur and all these things. So I started seeking God for this wisdom because I wasn't getting it from anywhere else. And the Bible is, is full. I, I can tell you, I survived. I survived a year and a half, two years of living on my own, literally by just, my goal was to read two chapters of Proverbs and two chapters of, no, I'm sorry, one chapter of Proverbs and one chapter of Psalms every single day. Mm -hmm. I can show you my old Bible that I still have where I would literally put the date month and day, the, the month and day and it's still written and it brings me incredible memories when i went that because i survived that way from every day first thing i would do is i would read 
and I love Proverbs because they're short. My attention span is terrible. So <laughs> Proverbs is great because yeah. they have their short snippets and it would speak to me, these little quotes. Mm-hmm. And then Psalms was also amazing. So it was very soothing, but also very empowering. So if you want to man up, there's nobody tougher. You know, G- Jesus Christ was no piece of cake. Everybody talks about Jesus Christ being all love and everything. But don't misunderstand that. If whoever's listening to this, don't mis- don't mis- don't have the misconception that Jesus was a pansy. Jesus was, was direct. He yeah. spoke direct. He was very clear. You know, think about when, you know, he went into the temple and he got all the business people's tables and all that stuff and he just literally threw them out. It's like, I'm sorry, that takes balls. Yeah. And if anybody had balls, it was Jesus Christ. You know, <laughs> I, I, I remember I, I, there's scripture where you hear people coming up to Jesus and, 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 and uh, they're saying, hey, you know, your, your, your father and your, and, I mean, your mother and your, and your siblings are looking for you. And you say, who? Who are they? You guys are my, you guys are my family. You're my siblings. You're my family. I mean, it was kind of harsh sometimes, sometimes harsher than I can be. So I am nowhere near as harsh as Jesus was, but he was all about taking care of the meek, the poor, poor in spirit, uh, the, 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 um, the, uh, the widows and the homeless, you know, uh, the kids. So just man up, man up. Get a backbone. So the difference to answer your question is men don't have a backbone. Put your pants back on. And it's not too late. I don't care how long your wife has been running the show at the house. And, and, and I see that so many times. Yeah. The right wife running the show. It's like you can get the reins back. And you can do it gently. You, you, I don't suggest you just say, honey, I heard this podcast. And I'm going to run the show now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's, a, that's a recipe for disaster. Yeah, let me know you how that goes. Do, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you didn't give her the reins gently, you know, overnight. You did it over a period of time where you started to let go. And you're thinking, ah, uh, you know, is it worth the fight? I don't want to argue. Yes, honey. Yes, honey, whatever. Well, from not standing your ground at certain points, you, you have to pick your, you choose your battles. But making sure that you pick, you choose those battles and that you don't just give it up just for the sake of not arguing. No, there's times that you have to man up. Not to mention, I can tell you from my own daughter's uh, conversations, they love it when a man mans up and that yeah. he is, you know, he shows his authority that he's strong. Be strong. Don't yep. be a macho man. Be strong. Make decisions. And seek. Listen, the way I, I avoided arguments many times is I, I would ask my wife and my kids, what do you think? What do you think about this? And they will give me their thoughts. And a lot of times they had some very good valid points and it was very helpful. And then a lot of times I would realize like, yeah, no, they don't get it. They don't understand. Yeah. It's my responsibility as a head of the household, as a head of my marriage or, or my family for my kids. The, the, the responsibility scripturally relies, lies on me. It's right. on me. So man up. Put the pants back on. And again, that doesn't mean you become a macho man and a dictator. No. You can do it very lovingly and you can steer them and start and doing it by, you know, getting connected to your church um, and learning. And whether it's church, a men's group, you know, stick to those things and they're going to teach you. You're going to learn about being 
the right godly husband, right godly father, the right kind of leader. Yeah. No, but that's well your foundation has to be there. Yeah. No, I would agree because, you know, here we are in two different sections of the United States. I mean, opposite ends really from each other. And you see, mm-hmm. and I, I ask you that question because typically, basically what you're saying is you see what I see. Okay. There's only a million people in Montana. There's a few million mm-hmm. in Florida. And, but yet it's a consistent. Heck, in problem. Miami alone, there's a few million in yeah. Miami alone. There's like yeah. 6 million. But yet the problem is consistent. Men have stepped mm-hmm. back. They've stepped down. And that's the whole point of this podcast is to help them to nut up and start to be the men that God designed them to be. And that's why I like to tie business in with what men should be, you know, men should be involved in. I like to tie in, okay, what are you doing in your parenting? Are you, don't worry about screwing up, worry that you're, that you're not instilling values that you should be instilling, that you're worried that your kids are listening to their friends and not to you. You know, are you treating your wife, are you treating your wife like a queen? Does she look to you? I mean, my wife and I, 24 years later, are best friends, still best friends, you know? So the transition from our last kid graduating it is not been near as difficult as we know it has been for other couples who have been disconnected the entire time that their kids are home. You want to know why couples get divorces after 25 years because junior left and they never built a relationship. And now they look at each other and like, and they're like, who are you? Oh, my wife talks about the guy that pay. You're the guy that pays the rent. Oh, that's who you are. Yeah. Yeah. No, man. Date your wife, by the way. Yeah. You know, if, if you guys, if, if, if you're married and you're complaining because you don't get, uh, you know, this yeah. is a guy's thing, right? Oh, it so is. you're complaining yep. because you don't get enough sex. Let's just yep. put it out there and you're not getting enough attention or whatever. Listen, make some time for her alone. Yep. If she wants to sit and watch the Hallmark channel or watch a movie, sacrifice, nut it up. Like you said, and, <laughs> and watch it with sit her down and watch it and now. ask her, Hey, yeah, watch it with her. Bring her popcorn. Figure out what she likes. Give her what she likes. Yeah. And she's going to reciprocate in time. I promise you. In yeah. time, she will. Yeah. You know, but it can't be all about, well, I want to do this. Don't, don't, don't take off and, and spend time with your buddies all the time. And then you wonder, yeah, your kids grew up. They went to college. They moved out. And now you're like, you can't even look at yourselves in the eyes, in the face, and have a, have a real conversation about anything. Yeah, absolutely not. Yeah, now you're um, my yeah, wife now and you're I that talk couple that sit and don't time. talk. Now you're that couple that sit in the restaurant no. and don't talk to each other. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. We're, we're empty nesters. We're empty nesters. My wife yeah. and I are now empty nesters. We've been married together. Uh, we've been 14 years married. We we started dating 16 years ago. Right. And and we talk all the time. We yep. talk shop because she's she started you know in in my business. Yep. We've been in two different businesses together and stuff. So we can actually have conversations. And, and they're and they're rarely ever about our kids. Yeah. So have conversations with your about your wife. About I don't care if it's about the movies. I don't care if it's about the church. I don't care if it's about going hiking or boating, whatever. But do things with you know. I heard you say, Michael, Mike, that that you know you're best friends with your wife. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Uh, I can honestly tell you, my wife is my best friend. Do we fight? Heck yeah. Do we have oh, yeah. disagreements? Yes. And what's yeah. your point? <laughs> You know, if you don't, do you not talk to people that you disagree with? Then you're going to be a very lonely person. Yeah, yeah, you can walk away. Yeah, but it's pretty lonely walking away all the time. So no, you just, you know, you just suck it up. Get over it. Get over it. Be well, a man know. enough to just get over it. <laughs> you know what was missing in creation, don't you? What's that? 
Okay, so there was one thing missing in creation. People don't realize that. But the Lord still said it's complete. It's done. And it was children. There were no children in creation. So the whole point is, is it was you and her to begin with, and it'll be you and her to end Mm -hmm. with. And you cannot, you know, that was the most important relationship to God, or he would have added a kid in there. But he didn't add a kid. He said, go forth and multiply. Okay. Your kids are subject to your relationship. They are not the core of your relationship. Amen. I so. agree. I agree. And, and I hadn't thought about that, but you, you bring a very good point. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Thank you. All right. So last question here. What's the one thing, the one thing, and I told you this up front because a lot of guys like to think about it and stew on it a little bit. What's the one thing you think that the church needs to change today? Depends. Not all churches are different. Not all ch- churches are the same. I'm sorry. Right. Uh, no. All churches are different. And I've been to several. And the reason I've stuck it out with my church for the last 20 years <clears throat> is because I love, I love, love, love the, my senior pastor's mission. He calls it his, uh, he's on a mission from God. He says it all the time. And, and the difference between, you know, it's funny. I just went to an Easter service. For the first time in 20 years, I did not go to my church. I went to a church down in the beach. We watched, we watched it, uh, an Easter service. And my wife and I and my oldest daughter, we were appalled because of how that message went. Uh, we, we went to Miami Beach. We have a place down there. And, and the message there, Miami Beach is, is, is known, South Beach is known for a lot of, you know, the, the people just like in San Francisco and a lot of places, you know, they're known for being gay yep. and, and that's where they congregate sometimes. And it's not like that all over Miami beach, but you know, they're right. open about it. And I guess this particular pastor, and I'm not going to say what church or pastor, but this particular no, pastor, fine. his opening line was, was bashing the gays. And we just sat there and we watched and was like, what? Listen, we, we may not love, we don't, you know, we've heard it say, don't hate the sin or hate the sin. Right. Fair enough. So, so to answer your question, the difference would be, you know, be receiving, be open. I'm not saying be open to these things that are against the word, but be opening to getting the message, become relatable. And what I mean by relatable doesn't mean that you have to accept what they are or aren't doing. I'm not saying for, you know, for you get a criminal that got out of jail because he stole something and you embrace him because he stole something. No, he got another chance. You're trying to bring him to Christ. So be more enticing, be more inviting. Don't be so judgmental. So the difference is don't be judgmental because we're all sinners. Every single one of us are sinners, whether we like to admit it or not. Uh, Some of us don't even realize it. You know, uh, there's, we probably heard some of the churches saying, you know, there's no, uh, at least our church says no perfect people allowed in this church. None of us are perfect. If anything, the imperfect. We are, our church loves to bring in people that have tattoos all over or whatever. They uh-huh. have yeah. nose earrings or, what you know, whatever. Um, come on. Come all. Come all. So just be more inviting. A church doesn't survive by just having the same core of people. That's it. No, the, that's not the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church is to bring people to salvation, to bring people, to help people change people's lives. Uh, again, you know, my church is, is specializes in changing lives. Heck, we even have, sometimes we've been criticized like, man, you guys have a, a big turnover of, 
of people. It's like, you know what? If they come and they accepted Christ and we were able to influence them to accept Christ and, 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 and plant that seed, to me, our job is done. Do we want to continue to grow that those people and teach them how to grow now in Christ and, and what the Bible and what the word has to offer to, to, to be blessed and to succeed in their marriages and in their businesses? Absolutely. Do we have programs for that? Absolutely. But the, but the number one job is to bring people to Christ so that they can have everlasting life. Um, so that's job number one. Yes, we want to keep them. But if, you, if we have people that leave and they say, oh, well, I want to get fed more, whatever, so be it. You know, there's different strokes for different folks. But our number one job is to bring people to Christ and, and hopefully keep them and keep training them and teaching them for them to become disciples and they do the same thing. Um, but be, be a church where you are, you're attracting people. This is why – listen – Real quick, right here in this lake, I used to be a board member of this uh, this community when it started back in 2000. And one of my best friends nowadays, uh, who doesn't live here anymore, he he drove by in front of my house one day. I came back from church, and he sees me. Hey, Michael, where are you going? What are you doing? I go, no, I just got back from church. And he looked at me. Literally, he was in his car. He looked at me from top to bottom, and he says, you're in shorts, and you're in flip-flops. You just change? And I go, no, no, no. I literally just got home from church. Yeah. It's like you're you went to church like that? And and mind you, I was raised Catholic. Um, okay. <laughs> and so I understand where he's coming from. Yeah. And and I said, Yeah. And I told him, dude, you have to come to my church. My church is the coolest church out there. Uh they don't care how you come. They don't care if you mm -hmm. come in shorts, they don't care if you come in flip flops or in jeans or whatever. You don't have to come all suited up. If you if you want to come in a suit, yeah. knock yourself out, do it. You know, just become inviting. And because of that. I can tell you, it's changed lives where I invited him to come to my church. And I go, dude, you got to come and check it out. He came and checked it out. His wife fell in love with it. He had little children at the time. To this day, this is over almost 20 years ago. He's got his entire family. He brought his brother, his sister, his mother, his mother-in-law, his, his, his nephew, cousins, brothers. I mean, you know how many changed lives? And to this day, he's very involved. His daughters are very involved. Now they're leading the youth, right? His wife is involved in. I mean, just because of flip flops and shorts and making my church inviting. So, so the difference is how do you make the difference? Just become more inviting and less judgmental, mm -hmm. and let the let the message and make sure that the message that it's being preached is not a judgmental bashing anybody, but just become more inviting. I don't know if that yeah. helps. Well, at the same time, obviously. It's got to be accurate. I mean, it doesn't need to be judgmental. You let scripture do that. You know, yep. a, a lot of times in Bible studies, I've had many Bible studies and a lot of times they're like, so you're saying this. And I would say, no, what does scripture say? Because Bingo. it's very easy for people to look at you and want you, because the second it comes out of your mouth, I'm saying, okay, they've got you. Mm -mm. And, and you may be right. You may be a hundred percent right, but you're shot right there because now it's your opinion. It's not, it's not scripture, but always, always, always when they're like, well, you're saying this, no, what does scripture say? And then have them reread that passage. So Amen. yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's, there's times that I'll have, you know, again, when we would have a men's group and I was attending and I was leading and stuff and we would have, we would have these round tables. Yeah. And then in these round tables we had between five to seven, eight guys. And then we would have a topic and we would chit chat about it. 
And a lot of times is when we would have these debates, which they're great. It always turned out to be exactly what you just said, Mike, is, is okay, but what does scripture say? Because yeah. a lot of times we take things out of context. And there's a lot of times where I've been wrong and where somebody tell me, no, Michael, that's not what the scripture says. I'll be the first one to say, show me. Yep. If you can show me, then I'll agree. Not a problem. That ears, to me, yeah. so if we're going to have, right, if we're going to have a conversation about Christianity, about God, about Jesus Christ, about anything, let's first start off with the fact is like, do we both agree on the same, on, on the Bible? That, right. That, that's, that's the, that's the word of God. Yep. If we don't, then there's nothing to discuss because we have different perspective. Uh, to me, it all starts with the word of God. So now that if once we establish that, okay, well, the Bible, you know, you were talking about finances and, and, and entrepreneurship yeah. and the, the wealthiest person ever to live and walk on this world to this day was, you know, um, in Ecclesiastes, which was King Solomon. Yep. And so again, that, that's just to show you that, you know, he had it all. and he also found it meaningless, but he, what you do with your finances and how you make a difference is a big difference, but just show me on the word and then I'll believe you. I'm always about learning. So I, I, I highly suggest that everybody that's listening and or watching this is just be open to learn. Right. And who are you learning from? Who's your source? And what are they referring to? Are they referring to you to Webster's dictionary? Like you said earlier, yeah. Or are they referring to your to the to the word of God? And I want to learn from the master creator, the one that created it all, yep. and who has it all, had it and has it all. So that's why I love Myron Golden, because everything his Bible secrets, I, I love it. I yep. love it because it's it's all about um it's relevant. the word of God and how how absolutely and how do we apply it? And it's all yep. relevant to today. Yep. Everything is applicable to today. Absolutely. All right, Michael. So where can people find you if they want to talk to you? Um, so interesting. I, they can find me. I will, I am in the process of putting together, uh, because I've had a lot of people asking me that question. So yep. you can find me on Facebook first by going to my Michael Ruiz. Um, and you'll know it's me because you probably noticed this. Yep. I have an apostrophe before my M and apostrophe at the end of my Z. Yeah. So that's the only Michael Ruiz that's like that. And I've been grandfathered. <laughs> you can't do that anymore. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm in the process of opening up my website. I do have a website for foreclosures uh, to, to, to help people do that. But uh, instead of talking about that business, they can find me uh, through Facebook. I, I'm opening up a page that says Michael Ruiz and another one that's Michael Ruiz, the Robin Hood of foreclosures and real estate. So they can find me there. I'm putting together the website um, because I haven't thought about putting myself out there Excuse this me. way the way that we're doing this right so well they'll be able to there. find your they'll be able to find your website on your facebook page i imagine correct and that's yeah. what i was about to say so yep. find me on facebook and you'll find me there uh on instagram is michael ruiz is robin hood if you want to look me up on instagram awesome all right michael well yeah. i want to thank you for the interview today it was excellent Always nice to, it's Thank always you. nice to talk with a dude who wants dudes to be dudes and it's okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you. And again, I'm honored. Thank you for inviting me oh. and uh, for taking me up on, on, on the invite. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you very much. And just hang on one sec. <laughs>